Amen. Good morning. I've never had a clap coming on. Well, that was lovely. Uh, and maybe it's because... Oh, well, don't. Stop, stop. <laughs> I wasn't prompting for another one. Uh, so maybe you're in a good summer mood. That's what it is. Oh, it's good to see so many legs out today, even mine. I'm not sure I've spoken on a platform in church with the legs out, but there you go. Uh, and if you're watching at home, look, uh, maybe uh, you know, you're, you're wearing shorts at home as well, uh, or sitting in a swimming pool as I speak. Uh, lovely to uh, welcome you as well, and if you're catching up during the week, then I hope it's lovely and sunny where you are at a future date of some kind. Anyway, so look, it's so lovely to see so many of you in the building. It's really, uh, really encouraging. Thank you for coming out. Very good. And over these last few Sundays, we've been inviting everybody to make a statement, and that statement is... I'm in, if you've been here the last few Sundays. I'm in. And it's kind of come in a context of, uh, as we regather, as we refocus together as a larger group of God's people, we've been used to kind of meeting in smaller groups. We've kind of uh, been laying some foundations again of, what, of who we are and what, we, what happens when we come together. Uh, two weeks ago, Sarah beautifully unpacked for us, I'm invited that we're all welcome to this beautiful party. None of us has left out. We've all been gathered in and called by God to be together. Now, last week, Aid covered for us that we're in, or I'm invaluable, that much as we're drawn together and gathered together, none of us is without worth and value in the sense of God has gloriously given to each of us a gift and a role and a part to play to make this body healthy. And each of you have got a valuable gift from God. In, perhaps in next week or another week's time, we're going to be talking about I'm influential, the fact that um, when we come together with these gifts, that we've got impact, that we make a difference in this world and in society, and that's what God calls us to do. But kind of underneath all these things is today's subject, the need for each of us to say, I'm in and I'm invested, I'm part of the financial responsibility to make all of that happen. I'm going to talk to you about what God's Word says about how we manage our finances and what we do with our finances. Because the truth is, we're all invested in something. We've all got something that God has given to us, uh, a salary, a wage, uh, an income from somewhere, and we're choosing, whether we like it or not, to invest it. The question is, what are we investing it in? The phrase I'm going to use constantly this morning is, if we, find, if we follow the money, will we find the heart? If we follow the money, will we find the heart? Because we sometimes use that phrase, don't we? Put your money where your mouth is. But the Bible talks about putting your money where your heart is. Jesus said in the famous Sermon on the Mount, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Follow the money and you'll find your heart. And before you start saying, well, Phil, we don't need to talk about money, do we? I mean, should we above all these kind of things? You know, we should, really shouldn't be talking about money. That's not a subject for church. Well, unfortunately, the Bible is very, very vocal about money. Very, very, uh, uh, you know, very, very articulate, and very practical about what we should do with our finances. I was looking at a Forbes magazine website, and there was an, a little inter interesting interview with a guy who set up a new company, Christian Financial Advice Company, and basically, they said, the whole of our financial advice comes out of the Bible. That's kind of how we've built the business, which I thought was a lovely, interesting model. And the Bible says there's a direct correlation between how we handle our finances and how we handle our faith. We'll either worship 
our wealth or we'll worship with our wealth. So where do you stand this morning when you come to looking at how you manage your finances and what you've invested in? Well, I want to give you a couple of examples from Scripture. One bad to start with and one good, both from teachings of Jesus. So if you've got a um, Bible with you, I'm looking at NIV. If you're on the Church Online uh, app, you're watching this, you can actually call up the Bible, which is a nice little thing if you don't want to have one to hand. Uh, we're going to look at Luke chapter 12, and it's a first, first bad example is the parable that Jesus spoke uh, to uh, response to a question that came from the crowd. So uh, Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to 21. I've got the NIV text here. Let's read God's word together. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I've no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, You've got plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be. Whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. So before we get into the parable itself... Let's have a little bit of a look about what prompted Jesus to tell the story. You've got to bear in mind the parables uh, were Jesus' way of teaching. You know, they, we call them earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. And with all of Jesus' parables, Jesus was making a teaching point. So, so what prompted him to, to go into this story? There was a voice in the crowd. A guy shouts out, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. Now, we don't get a lot of detail behind it, so we're going to speculate. So, in society, if um, a father of the house died, and let's say, for example, just to keep it simple, he had two sons, uh, it wouldn't, uh, and in the will, he might have left uh, instructions for his will, but typically speaking, what would happen is the eldest son would get a double share of the inheritance, the younger son a single share so in simple example two brothers uh, two sons of a father the uh, the elder would get two-thirds the younger would get one-third so the comment there straight away is tell my brother to divide the inheritance with him might give us a bit of a clue what's going on i don't know we speculate with that but let's just assume the brother's in the crowd too and basically this guy saying embarrass my brother he hasn't done the right thing here with the inheritance and jesus you'll note avoids the question to a certain extent to say this sounds like a matter for the court so i'm not a judge you've got a problem take it to the court right but he did say something else and he said let me just challenge what might be behind this watch out be on your guard against all kinds of grief life does not consist in the abundance of possessions maybe a little dig at the older brother hadn't done the right thing and Jesus tells this parable in response to two fighting brothers, perhaps, who haven't really seen eye to eye about how 
this particular inheritance should be divided. So he tells a story about a, a rich man, you'll notice. He's rich before he starts. A rich man who had an abundant harvest. So what's the point that Jesus is trying to teach us about finances and about wealth here? Well, maybe he's saying it's terrible to be rich. It's a terrible thing to be rich. This rich man had lots of money and he died and it went to the relatives. Well, maybe that's all he could have said. You know, that's, that would have been a shorter parable in one sense. So Jesus didn't say it's not the problem here is not him being rich, okay? Jesus said it's not a bad thing to be well off. Jesus said it's hard to be well off. It's hard, it's difficult when you've been given great wealth and great resources. It's, a, a lot is expected of you if you're given that, but it's not inherently a wrong thing to be well off. That's not the issue that Jesus is trying to tackle here. So let me pick up another issue. Is it because this guy was blessed? Oh, we don't like that. This guy was blessed and everybody else isn't, and there's an issue here. Is Jesus saying that? No, because you'll notice why he's blessed. Well, we don't get a clue, right? We don't get any clue why he's blessed. Just at random, a rich man gets even richer because God somehow has blessed his field or fields. And he already had barns. I mean, he tore down barns to build bigger ones. He already had barns. He wasn't doing too bad. So Jesus is saying that's not the problem here. Success isn't the problem. I blessed an already blessed man. That was kind of what was going on here. So that's not the issue either. So the issue seems to be about what he did with it. And I think we get to the heart now of the point that Jesus is trying to make to these two fighting brothers. If you've been given something here, you have a responsibility to to steward that blessing wisely. Jesus was saying, you know, I told a story about a parable of talents. Maybe he said this off the record a little bit to those who are listening. You know, that some was, some were, one servant was given a great amount, some a little amount, but like the, 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 the benefactor expected those assets to grow. That was the story that kind of Jesus tell. And Jesus said, in this particular story, this rich farmer was given a blessing. He was given an abundance and encouraged to do something with it. And the issue is here, this is the point I'm trying to make, says Jesus, in between the lines. This is the problem. He didn't use that resource, that blessing, wisely enough. You know what he could have done? You know what? I'm on a gold mine here. This is fantastic. Why don't I employ everybody from the village to come and work on the farm? Why don't I set up a kingdom business that's going to bless all the, the countries and the nations around us? I'll get the poor in to come and have free food at the, at the entrance of the farm. I'll bless the schools. I'll bless the hospitals. I'll bless the whole community. He could have done so much with this glorious blessing of this abundant crop. But no, what did he do? He said, you know what? It's all for me, me, me. It's all for me. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pull up the drawbridge. I'm going to open the champagne and I'm going to drink my way through the profits for years to come. And let this beautiful harvest field go fallow because I don't need it anymore. I'm the one that's been blessed. It's all for me. And the criticism is harsh and sharp in the parable. You're an idiot, says, says God. You're a fool. You, you haven't thought this through. 
I've given you this to bless others. I've given you this blessing to bless others. And instead, you've just buried it in the ground, just like the, the parable of the talents, that one guy that just said, I just buried it in the ground. I was afraid to lose it. I didn't use it to bless other people. And maybe just as he said that, he looked at that older brother and said, you think you're holding on to something that's really not for you, should be shared with your brother. Just be careful, because this very night, your soul could be required of you, and then who's going to get this income? It's going to go to your younger brother anyway. So Jesus was, I think, highlighting sometimes this poverty mentality, I'm going to say, towards our finances. It's all for me, and I better hold on to it, because much as there's a great harvest today, well, well winter's coming, and the resources might disappear. So I need to provide for myself. I need to look after myself. I need to make sure I squirrel all my resources away and make sure I can pull up the drawbridge so I'm nice and safe and I'm nice and well off and I'm protected because I'm not sure that abundant blessing of God is going to continue. That's a poverty mentality towards finances and one I believe the Lord wants to break in our hearts. So let me look at a more positive story. This time it's a, a true story. It's not a parable. It comes from Mark chapter 14. So let's have a look at it together. NIV text. By the magic of television, it'll appear behind me. Look at that. Just as I say it, well done. Very good. <laughs> and this is a story uh, that all four gospel writers uh, carry. So it should be, uh, you know, prick our ears up when we hear those because it's obviously got significance when all, all four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all will cover it. And it says this in Mark 14, verse 3, again, NIV text. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of the gospel writers say on his feet. You might be more familiar with that. Some of those presents were saying indignantly to one, indignantly to one, to another, one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, says Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you always have with you. You can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare, my, uh, prepare, prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And we kind of honor her by telling that story today, just as Jesus said we would. Now, there's a little bit of difference in the text. If you look at Matthew's version of this, Mark, Luke, John, they're all just a little bit different. But the, but the key thing is the same, right? That, that Jesus goes to the house of Simon the leper. We're not sure. Some might even consider he was a Pharisee. We're not 100% sure. Uh, but goes to his house, and this woman, and some have named her as Mary, but, uh, but, but just keep her anonymous with this particular uh, text that we've read. She comes and breaks open this alabaster jar. Now, this is um, a considerable gesture, because this thing would have been given to her, and she's probably from a well-off family, the, some of the commentators have speculated, but this thing would have been something maybe given to her as an endowment for her wedding or for setting up a house when she married. Something maybe she was given as a younger girl, and some commentators have said that. But it's certainly worth a lot of money, and this is the whole point, right? 
So it was a, a, you know, a generous gift. Arguably, it was a hugely lavish gift. You know, it was extravagant, really, what she did. And yes, in one sense, Judas was right. You know, it was worth a lot of cash. A year's wages. I mean, just work that out in your head. Work out what your annual salary or income is. That, that's a lot of cash, right? And, and Judas was right. I mean, to be fair to him, we could have done a lot of good with that cash. We could have looked what we could have done. We could have done all these lovely things with it. But Jesus says, leave her alone because she's done the right thing. She's taken something hugely precious and valuable to her, a blessing that she's been given, and she's prepared to give it to me and give it away. She had a generosity mindset, not, not a poverty mindset. I've got a blessing today, but more blessings coming my way so I can afford to give it away. I've been blessed, so I will bless others. And the richness of God, the generous grace of God will keep on pouring blessing after blessing on me, and I can afford to give more and more and more away. That's the generosity mindset God wants us to have towards our finances. Not that a rainy day's coming and I better draw up the, pull up the drawbridge and, and squirrel away my cash so that nobody can touch it, but that generosity mindset that says the favor of God, the gracious favor of God will keep pouring out on me time and time and time again as I'm obedient, as I step out in faith with the resources he's given me, so I believe he will rise to meet me and refinance my life and my uh, my ability to give again and again so what are you investing in this morning what is your heart this morning when you invest if we followed the money would we find your heart because it all starts with us this is the wonderful miracle frankly god doesn't need our money he owns the cattle on a thousand hills says the psalmist but God wants us to give. It all starts with what we have. God says to Moses, when he called him back to go and lead the people out of Egypt, what's in your hand, Moses? Let's use what you've got. Just the other Sunday, I was talking about the feeding of the 5,000. 5,000 people were fed by five loaves and two fish. I mean, come on. How far was that going to go? In fact, even the disciples said, I mean, We've got these five loaves and two fish, but what is that amongst so many? Keith Green, the Christian songwriter from way back in the day, used to have a lovely song saying, give him your best and play, pray that it's blessed and he'll take care of the rest. Don't worry about the multiplication. That's in God's economics. That's in God's mass-breaking economy. The five loaves and two fish are multiplied gloriously by the grace of God into an abundant blessing and abundant goodness to those 5,000 people. Let me just come in to, to close with this. We're going to put um, a famous verse when we talk about giving in the church, and I'm sure as church leaders we quite like it because it mentions the tithe. There we go. Malachi 3.10. Might come up on the screen now. So um, let's just read that verse together. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be, uh, not be room enough to store, to store it. 
and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there'll not be room enough to store it. Why do I read the second part of that verse? Because that's where I want you to focus. The problem sometimes when we read this verse or quote this verse, we've all jumped to the first bit. We're talking about tithing again, Phil. Don't look at the command. Look at the promise. Don't look at the command. Look at the promise. Test me in this. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven so much that you won't know what to do with it. As Jesus said, you know, a measure pressed down, overflowing. That's the heart of my God. Not a God who says, you know, I'm just going to give you a little bit and you give it away and then you'll have nothing. No, 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 no. A God who is ready to pour out favor after favor, blessing after blessing, more upon more upon more upon more. But it starts with my heart. What is my attitude? What am I bringing here to the Lord? If I get that right, I believe the Lord will step in and bless and multiply what we have. You see, there are churches that talk about a health, wealth, and happiness gospel which we kind of struggle a bit with at times. So we kind of say, you know, we we can't necessarily preach that from the platform. The problem is, we then don't talk about it at all. We're afraid to talk about it because it might be misunderstood or misconstrued. But honestly, God does want to bless your finances. That is true. You can't read God's word and not realize that. There's so many stories of God pouring out abundant favor. One of my favorite ones is the you know, the fishermen, you know, the, the disciples that went out to fish, and they had so many fish, the nets burst, and they dragged them in. I mean, what do you think they did with them? They're fishermen, they sold it and made a fortune. They were blessed. They knew how to sell fish. That's what they did day in, day out. But that glorious blessing of God, we don't like to talk about it. But the problem starts with our heart. If we follow our heart, would we find the money? If we follow the money, would we find the heart? You invested this morning? Are you in? I'm in. Are you in? Are you invested in the kingdom of God? 